This episode of Undistracted is brought to you by our sponsor, Chambord, an all-natural raspberry liqueur produced in the Loire Valley of France. I'm glad to say that while 2020 has taught us so many important lessons, that we have almost survived it. And so I'm starting to think about the year ahead. My holiday celebrations will be toasting to all of the positive things in the near future, like new beginnings, whether it's a birthday, a holiday, the start of a new year, a new month, or frankly, just a new day. Every single day is a chance to get it more right and a chance to take better care of ourselves and the folks we love. Join me for a second in toasting someone or something that you are excited about. And if you're looking for an easy to make drink to use for those upcoming virtual holiday toasts, a Chambord Royale only requires two ingredients, Chambord and Champagne. So go wherever you buy your spirits or head to drizzly.com and check out Chambord's gift set, which includes the ingredients for a Chambord Royale. Please drink responsibly. Hey y'all, it's Brittany. I saw someone on Twitter talk about how they rebranded American Thanksgiving in their home to be Friends and Family Day. They focused on teaching their children the holiday's true history and turned it into a chance to learn about indigenous communities and really focus on gratitude. I love this idea. And I'm gonna have to like figure out who to credit for it when I use it with my future children because I absolutely will. But for now, let's use it together. Happy Friends and Family Day, everyone. And Friends and Family Day is a complicated one this year. The holidays are already hard for a lot of us, and it's even harder during a pandemic. We miss those we've lost, and many families can't afford to put much food on the table. And this is a time when we're craving more connection, not less. Like some of you, I tried to get creative this year. At first, my husband and I thought about making plans with just a few family members here in DC, and there would be COVID tests and face shields and quarantining, everything. But in the end, we really could not justify taking that risk. And trust me, there is nothing more I'd rather do than argue with my brother and my cousins over the spades table after serving myself what is, yeah, a double portion of ham and macaroni on a paper plate that just buckles under the weight of my gluttony. But there's still so much to be thankful for. This year, it'll be takeout from Reggie's dad because Dr. Cunningham is the family chef. He'll leave the food for us on his porch. We'll pick it up, drive home, sanitize the Tupperware, and eat his sweet potato pie on the couch while we chat up the fam over Zoom. It's not exactly the plan we wanted, but I'm grateful for these little things and for the farm workers who bring us our food and for the privilege to be able to stay home this year for my health and the health of others. What's most important is that we all live to see another year. We are undistracted. On the show today, Nikki Giovanni. I know, right? I'll be talking to the beloved American poet about her new collection, Make Me Rain, 
the power of young people, and why we can't let anyone take away our dreams. Your responsibility is to your dreams. It's not to these people who are trying to hurt you. It is to the future, and you have to keep your eyes on the prize. That's coming up, but first, let's get to your untrending news. As I mentioned earlier, many of us were not properly taught the true history of Thanksgiving. You may have learned in school that the first harvest was celebrated peacefully between pilgrim settlers and the Wampanoag people in 1621. Sounds cute, right? You probably didn't learn about the capture and the killings and the genocide of indigenous people and the colonization of their land that followed. That's why to many native folks, this holiday is not called Thanksgiving, but rather the National Day of Mourning. And here's a bit of frustrating news. Today, almost 400 years after that harvest, the Wampanoag people in Massachusetts are still engaged in a fight for their very survival. So back in March, the U.S. Department of the Interior announced that the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe is no longer entitled to their reservation status. A federal judge has since sided with the tribe and ordered a review, but still, this makes this week an especially challenging time. I wanna be really clear, over five million of our indigenous neighbors still live in this country, their country. I keep wondering when the US government is going to express any shame or give any real apology or make the full reparations for the land that was stolen. And if these new developments are any indication, that's land that continues to be thieved. We, the people, are going to have to become much better co-conspirators to indigenous peoples. And if you're wondering how to start, you can watch the live stream of the National Day of Mourning at uaine.org. So here's a headline I'm like really glad to share with you. Tampons and pads for everybody. So Scotland, has become the first country in the world to provide free and universal access to period products. It's called uh, the Period Products Act, and it was passed unanimously on Tuesday evening. It will legally require local authorities to provide period products to all those who need them. One of the law supporters, a Scottish labor health spokeswoman, Monica Lennon, said it's a proud day for Scotland. Menstruation is normal. Free universal access to tampons, pads, and reusable options should be normal too. Uh, we need this here too, y'all. And I know that there are a lot of great organizations who are trying to make that happen, especially since period poverty, which is the struggle to pay for basic sanitary products, has most definitely increased during the pandemic. And if this is an uncomfortable conversation for you, I'm here to let you know that you and many of the people you know may actually menstruate every month. I know, it's shocking. <laughs> but y'all, us actually treating these quote-unquote women's issues like they are taboo, that's precisely what makes things worse. So period dignity and dignity, period. Last item, Macy's is making news this week, and I know you think it's just for the holiday parade, but actually, the 162-year-old company announced they'll be participating in the 15% pledge. That means they'll be making sure at least 15% of their products are stocked from Black-owned companies to actually reflect the U.S. population. 
Companies like Sephora, Rent the Runway, and West Elm have all signed on. So it's important that we know that funding BIPOC-owned businesses alone will never fully close the racial wealth gap. And the gaps are massive. But still, Black dollars and Black trendsetting, they both have an impact on the bottom line of most major companies in America. And it's high time that value is reflected on the shelves. Shout out to my good girlfriend, Aurora James, founder of the 15% Pledge, for pushing corporations to take this important first step. Coming up, I'll be talking to Nikki Giovanni about the state of the movement today and Ice Cube and Kamala Harris and so much good stuff right after this short break. Our sponsor, Shambord, cares about championing women and creating a more inclusive world. Together with the Undistracted Spotlight, they're highlighting brands owned by BIPOC women, femme, and gender nonconforming people. For today's episode, we want to shout out the founders of e-commerce food shop Camilla's Kitchen in Prince George's County, Maryland, Karen and Nyana, a mother and daughter duo hailing from Trinidad and Tobago. Prince George's County is up the street for me. Trinidad and Tobago is not, but it's beautiful country. And Camilla's Kitchen sells gourmet sauces, marinades, and cakes using ingredients from local farms, including small Black-owned ones. Karen and Nyana told us, growing up in the Caribbean, you can say that cooking is in our blood. We learned about our bold Caribbean flavors from our namesake, Miss Camilla, who is an entrepreneur and our mother and grandmother, respectively. We're so proud to carry on her legacy. This year, we've learned about adaptation and collaboration. Due to the pandemic, we pivoted to selling 100% of our flavors online. At first it was tough, but then we found creative ways to connect with customers and create fellowship with others in the food space. I definitely feel inspired and I cannot wait to shop. Congratulations on making the most out of a tough year, Karen and Nyana. Head to www.camellaskitchen.com to learn more. That's C-A-M-E-L-L-A-S kitchen.com to learn more. And thanks again to our sponsor, Chambord. Please drink responsibly. Chambord Black Raspberry Liqueur, 16.5 ABV, Brown Foreman, Louisville, Kentucky. Chambord is a registered trademark, copyright 2020. that everybody loves. For me, it's definitely chocolate. I make no apologies for it. I know you hate me right now, but sorry, not sorry. That's how comedian Matt Belisai starts every interview on his podcast, Unhappy Hour. The answers lead to often surprising and always hilarious conversations. With all the stress and anxiety of the news cycle these days, it's nice to get a laugh in here and there too. If you could use a good cathartic laugh session each week, this is a good show for you. Unhappy Hour with Matt Belisai is a weekly comedy podcast from Pineapple Street Studios. Every week, Matt and his co-host Bari vent about all the things they love to hate with special guest complainers like Maria Bamford, Nicole Byer, Padma Lakshmi, Liza Koshi, W. Kamau Bell, and so many more. There are over 100 episodes out now and a new one every Tuesday. So go ahead and subscribe to Unhappy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Because the best way to get to positivity is by laughing through our downtimes. Check it out and take care of yourselves out there. 
So if you can't be with your own grandmother this holiday, my guest today might just be the next best thing. Nikki Giovanni is one of America's most celebrated poets. She is a true living legend. And I'm not just saying that. Oprah herself called her a living legend and whatever Oprah says is Bible. Nikki Giovanni was a major voice of the Black arts movement of the late 1960s and has since continued to write prolifically about what it means to be a Black woman in this country. She's published over 30 books, won seven NAACP Image Awards, and has been nominated for a Grammy and a National Book Award. I personally love a lot of her pieces, but like a true Black girl millennial, I went from fan to stan when Kimberly Reese, one of my favorite characters in my favorite 90s sitcom, A Different World, performed Nikki's poem, Ego Trippin', live on television. Nikki drops so many bars in that single poem, including my favorite. I am so hit, even my errors are correct. I may or may not repeat that to myself in the mirror when I'm having a rough day. You should try it. Nikki Giovanni's newest poetry collection, Make Me Rain, has now arrived just when we need her words the most. It is personal and political with messages of hope and resilience, and it is as relevant as ever. And I smiled through the entire interview. (laughs) Oh my goodness. The icon, Nikki Giovanni, thank you for being here. Thank you. In one of the new poems titled, I'm Just a Poet, you write, all I have are words and maybe a bit of hope. Are you feeling hopeful these days? Oh, absolutely. Um, Kamala will be the vice president of the United States. And I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled about that. And it's time that we took these steps because it's about time we got a sensible person in some level of office. We've had Donald Trump and we've had um, that other fool, Mike Pence. So it's time we got some people in who who cared. You know, you only vote for for the president. You don't vote for the vice president. So, of course, I voted for Mr. Biden. But having Kamala Harris be the vice president and sitting in on these meetings and having what she has to say, and um, she is, as you know, a Howard University graduate. And to see that, I think it's so so wonderful. I'm a Fisk graduate, and I, I wish that she had gone to Fisk now. But, you know, everybody can't go to Fisk, so I'm I'm very proud of her. (laughs) But some incredible people went to Fisk, yourself included. And, you know, so many people, I think, in the HBCU experience have found their voices as young people in these spaces. You believe really deeply in the power of young people, and you've remained so accessible. You know, I really think that that kind of intergenerational relationship is so valuable, but it's not always felt by everyone. So are there ways in which younger generations right now are making you proud? I'm I'm very proud of of, of what the generation, your generation, has to live in a non-segregated world. And I think that your generation thought that it would be a non-racist world, and it isn't. It is a racist world. And so you've had to make a lot of adjustments to what you think is important. I am very proud, as as we all are, I'm sure, of Black Lives Matter, because they've taken it globally. I'm sorry that George Floyd is dead, but when I was watching television and I I looked in in Perth, Australia, people were marching with Black Lives Matter in Perth, Australia. And I thought, wow, that's, that's really great. My generation, we worked. But it's nice to see that you all have gone global. 
So you talked a little bit about the movement and I'm an activist myself and was, you know, on the ground in Ferguson and some other cities, but people keep asking me if the state of the movement this year is different because like you said, it's gone global. There are so many new people who are a part of it. What do you think of the state of the movement today? I think that the young men and women are are doing a great job and it's just really good to see that the younger generation is stepping up. They're not letting the Nazis that, that we're living with right now shut them down or make them afraid or take their voice away, as did we. I went to school with John Lewis, and one of the people there, a little bit ahead of us, was Diane Nash. She started SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And I remember when she and John and Reverend Bevel left campus they went together, and some other people went with them. And we were, we all stood and clapped. We were all so proud of them. They went off to uh, Alabama. And, you know, now you all are going in another direction. But I, I, th- I think you're doing a terrific job. I really do. I have to say, uh, if you don't mind, I'm very disappointed in Ice Cube. I, I think that it's a, an incredible shame that he would say anything to, to, to Donald Trump and to say, oh, I was just trying to work out a plan. You know, that's what what Judas said to Jesus. So I don't want to hear it. But, uh, you know, everybody's not going to do what what should be done. There's always going to be a Judas someplace. Mm. But that's why we have to keep going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, We're talking about young people, but I'd love to talk to you about some of your history. I mean, you began publishing poems in the late 60s, collections like Black Feeling, Black Talk, uh, and Black Judgment. Your 1968 poem, actually, Nikki Rosa, is one of your best-known works. What were you trying to explore with that piece? I think that I was just trying to find my, my own voice and trying to be confident in what I had to share. Childhood remembrances are always a drag if you're black. You always remember things like living in Woodlawn with no indoor toilet. And if you become famous or something, they never talk about how happy you were to have your mother all to yourself and how good the water felt when you got your bath from one of those big tubs that folk in Chicago barbecue in. And I really hope no white person ever has cause to write about me because they never understand black love is black wealth. And they'll probably talk about my hard childhood and never understand that all the while, I was quite happy. White Americans always feel that they know more about Black people than Black people do. And I just got tired of hearing, you know, as they like to put it, what was wrong with Black people. It's not Black people that that have what's wrong. It's not Black people who are, a a group of us are out there Mm. shooting or or burning up other people's uh, property or lynching people. We're not doing that. It's them. We're not the ones, if we look at it historically, uh, Black black people didn't fight for slavery. (laughs) White people did. Mm -hmm. And not white people, but poor white people. I'm always amazed when I look at the people who are voting for Trump. These are poor people. And you you really have to do what the hell is wrong with you people. But I think that a lot of Nazism is about rich, rich, rich people convincing poor people that they should hate other people. So they tried to teach them, mm-hmm. teach uh, poor white boys that you should hate black people because that's all they have. And I have a poem again in uh, Make Me Rain, which I love so much. And it ends up saying, what a shame that you wake up in the morning knowing 
that the only thing you have to offer the whole planet is the color of your skin. That's 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 just got to be said. That would make you cry. If you woke up and all you had to offer the world is the color of your skin, that, that that's ridiculous. And so I think that that needs to be called out. I think that there's a cowardness. They want to call it white supremacy, but there's nothing supreme about it. What it is is white cowardness. Mm. And I think we ought to call it. That piece is so, so powerful. Uh, it's called And So It Comes to This. And we are all paying for their cowardice right now. Well, it's not nothing is cheap. Freedom isn't free, <laughs> even though the first four letters exactly. are free. Nothing is free and nothing is cheap. <laughs> and I would agree that we're paying for it, but I would also agree that every time something happens, we take the next step. So my grandmother, with whom I lived for for uh, several years, and, and I adored grandmother, she's a Baptist. And we would go to church, and some days on church we would sing, we are climbing Jacob's ladder. Mm. Every step goes higher and higher. And I love the spirituals for a lot of reasons, but one is that I can't sing. And the spirituals, you don't have to be able to sing. You can be a part of, you know. But we are climbing Jacob's ladder. Every road goes higher and higher. And I think that, that that's exactly what we're what we're doing. Higher and higher. Every step goes higher and higher. And so I look at you youngsters and I think, well, they, they're doing all right, you know? Uh, speaking of kind of sources of strength, that line from Nikki Rosa, a Black love is Black wealth, has been so important to my life. It always reminds me where my source of strength is. And I think about it often when I have watched you, including in Make Me Rain, talk about your grandmother and listening now to you singing, you know, Jacob's Ladder. I think about Black love being Black wealth. Yeah, I think so. And I think that we in the Black community are extremely lucky that we know that money is not that important. You've got to have some, and I'm not a fool about that, but there's a limit. And I love James Brown, you know, of course, Brown had that wonderful, wonderful song, Money Won't Change You, But Time is Taking You On. Get it, get it, get down with it. I mean, love, freedom, vulnerability, these are things you examine so much in your work. And I think for that reason, and and frankly, so many more, we have really come to rely on your work in movements, um, the Black arts movement being one that you were such a critical part of. How did that time in your life coincide kind of with your own political and spiritual evolution? Well, of course, we we were a part, we were, and I'm saying we now, my generation was struggling always to break down segregation. That was our most important part of what we had to do. As things moved on, a group developed called the Black Panthers. The Panthers in Oakland, California, took their guns and went and stood on the um, steps of the uh, courthouse. And everybody got upset and said, oh, they're violent. No, we, we weren't the ones who were violent. They were the ones who were violent. And uh, there's still problems. Every time you turn around, they're murdering a black man. And then somehow or another, white men never get charged. The policemen never, sometimes the policemen get fired <laughs> and sometimes they don't even get fired from their job. And you think, what is wrong with this? That if you're supposed to be protecting the community, you can't protect the community with violence. You have to protect the community with them knowing you and you knowing them. 
Speaking of that building, uh, in the new book, in Make Me Rain, you uh, included your submission for the Ebony Commemorative Edition on Barack Obama. And it's a piece that I really love. You end it with uh, this image of a man being lynched. And you said, someone swinging by his neck from a fine oak tree, while those in white pointed hats and white robes stood shouting out, clapping, having a good midnight time, promised to the stars, don't worry, they think they can kill me, but I'm taking root. Yeah, I'm taking root. (laughs) What do you see taking root for us right now as we try to get more free after this administration? Uh, I really did like that image because people thought, and and I say people, you know, the Ku Klux Klan and them, the cop who killed uh, George Floyd, they thought, well, nobody will, will pay attention to this. I can murder him and nobody will pay attention. And Mr. Floyd took root, didn't he? He has grown. This 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 tree has grown. And that's what I wanted to bring out. And I, I think it's, uh, I think the kids are building something. And I think that we, for people like me, we have to be, we are very, very proud of what they're doing because they thought those people like the Donald Trumps of this world, they thought they could kill us. They thought they could, could burn us out. They thought they could shoot us down. And uh, all we all we did was take root. And people like me are very fortunate because so few people get to be my age. And I'm not all that old. I'm 77. But when you look at my generation, so few people were fortunate enough to come through what we, we came through and to be my age and to be able to watch or talk with or mm-hmm. to enjoy, just, just to enjoy watching how the black community is growing because we continue to win, whether it's Barack Obama or whether it's now Kamala Harris. And as um, a woman, you know, I'm really, really very proud to see Ms. Harris, Senator Harris, become the vice president and to take these positions. But how long do you think it'll be before we have a black woman being the president of the United States? You know, so I I really hope that I'm around, you know, just sit down and have a glass of wine and say, okay, (laughs) I usually drink champagne. I don't drink much red wine, but uh, I'm going to buy a really (laughs) expensive bottle of of champagne and, and, and toast it. Then they just make you happy. Then they just give you. It really does. <laughs> you just say, well, if I can be around. <laughs> well, you've said before that old age is so wonderful. Um, in the new book, you include a short bio of Nikki Giovanni, and you actually write about being uh, a young girl reading by the flashlight underneath your grandmother's quilts <laughs> and listening to jazz on the radio. Um, as such a beautiful vision. What wisdom do you have for all the little daydreaming girls out there today? Oh, gosh. Don't let anybody take your dreams away. That That's so, mm. so important. Don't don't let it. Because there's so many things you're going to see. Uh, your mother's going to be married to some fool. But it's not your fault. Your responsibility is to your dreams. It's not to these people who are trying to hurt you. It is to the future. And you have to keep your eyes on the prize. Move on. And hold on. Mm -hmm. That's what I have to say to them, because life is interesting and you can't let somebody take away the interest. Get a book, get under a a blanket and just daydream, learn something. Don't let anybody take your dreams away. 
I feel like I'm about to cry because this I I needed that balm to remember not to let anyone make me lose interest and to that my responsibility um to my dreams. It really just makes me think about something you said um when you said that as a poet your weapon is your words because there yeah. are just some things that words and poetry can do that other things can't. That that's true. The most most powerful thing on earth is words. And that's why people have killed a lot of people from Socrates, you know, on up to Jesus, to anybody. There, there's a reason to Martin Luther King. There's a reason people kill people who use words. And I'm, I don't want to get you or me killed, but I'm saying we know words are powerful. One last question for you. I don't know if you know, but we uh, borrowed the idea for the title of our show, Undistracted, from something your good friend Toni Morrison said uh, when she said that the function of racism is distraction to keep you from doing your work. How mm -hmm. are you or how can we remain undistracted in these chaotic times? You have to believe that your dreams are worth it. You have to believe that you are worth it. So you get up in the morning. I mean, this is what everybody does. You get up in the morning and you're going to brush your teeth. Look at yourself. Don't just brush your teeth. Look at yourself and say good morning and smile at yourself. Say, I love you. Because that may be the only I love you that you hear that day. So let's start with, I love you to myself. And then we'll move on. You can't let anybody take that love away. If that's your love. You, you have a right to love yourself. Well, Nikki Giovanni, we love you. I love you. I'm so, so, so grateful for you spending this time with us. And I cannot wait to hear what you give us next. Oh, thank you very much. This has been great talking to you. Take care of yourself. Thank you. I will. You too. Thanks. Celebrated American poet and living legend, Nikki Giovanni. Her latest collection is called Make Me Rain. By the way, you heard Nikki throw a little bit of shade at Ice Cube. He's since tried to explain why he chose to work with Donald Trump. Cube says that both Trump and Biden's teams approached him about his contract with Black America plan. But y'all, we need to be very careful about who we lend our credibility to and who we help make legitimate on the world stage. I was so nervous and so excited, so like nerve sighted. I don't know if that's a word, but I, that's what I was when I realized I'd be talking to Nikki Giovanni. She is one of the heroes of my life and I just, like I didn't want to mess it up. So there she came onto our call with all the warmth and familiarity I needed to feel at ease. I mean, she told me to call her Nikki. I told you, if you don't get to be with your grandma today, we had you covered. You got all the smart shade and all the wisdom you didn't know you needed, right? Don't let anybody take your dreams away. That's the one I'm taking with me. For me, this week, hell, this month, this entire year has at times felt like one long dream deferred. But my god sister, who is also whip smart and also named Nikki, reminded me this week that a delay does not have to mean despair, it can be an opportunity to prepare. So on this Friends and Family Day, my Thanksgiving is for the things we gained this year. Black Lives Matter going even more global, 
new people joining the cause, a new administration that we fought tooth and nail for. I personally got the gift of more time to focus on my purpose and not just my jobs. Gratitude can be a game changer. All has not been lost and our dreams are still valid. So if today is another chance to keep dreaming, tomorrow is another day to make it come true. And I'm grateful for that. That's it for today, but never ever for tomorrow. Undistracted is a production of The Meteor and Pineapple Street Studios. Our lead producer is Rachel Matlow. Our associate producer is Taylor Hosking. Thanks also to Treasure Brooks, Grace Chen, Hannes Brown, and Stevana Ellen Rogers. Our executive producers at The Meteor are Cindy Levy and myself, and our executive producers at Pineapple are Jenna Weiss Berman and Max Linsky. You can follow me at Ms. Pecchietti on all social media and our team at The Meteor. Subscribe to Undistracted and rate and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you check out your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being. Thanks for doing. I'm Brittany Packnett Cunningham. Happy holidays, y'all. Let's go get free.